welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker, Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the Hacker Maker. In each episode, I have a guest sharing their tips and tricks and their story of how they got started in cybersecurity. And today, I'm very happy to introduce my friend and fellow podcaster, Chris Glandon. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Philip, man. It's a it's a true honor to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. It's it's good to have you on here. Thanks for returning the favor. It was an honor to be on your your podcast, the the barcode a while back. So good to to finally have you on mine. Yeah, definitely, man. It was uh it was way back, way back when barcode got started. I think you were um maybe episode thirteen, I think. Um, okay. Security suplex. So yeah, man. So it's probably back in twenty twenty. Yes. What yeah, twenty twenty, okay. late twenty twenty. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was that was was a good time, and I look forward to seeing you next week at summer camp. So, are you excited about summer camp? I am, man. I am. Um, yeah, I've uh, I went last year, and it was it was sort of a ghost town. It was about a week after Omicron hit hard, so I think a lot of people didn't show up. But uh, but yeah, I'll be there this year. Finally, looking forward to meeting you after two years of of you know typing to you i uh, get to actually talk to you in person so looking forward to that looking forward to catching up with some other people that i haven't seen in a while and um yeah just seeing how the the landscape has changed and how you know what what new things are out there so yeah really excited about it and if anybody's going out there you know hit hit me or hit me up i'd love to catch up and, and meet with new people as well and we'll be sharing chris's social media uh, information so you'll be able to to find out where to, to find him at and for for the listeners for the people that may not be familiar with what we're talking about summer camp is defcon black hat besides las vegas the diana initiative are referred to as hacker summer camp because you've got all these these hacking conferences going on in a little over a week there in las vegas so that's what summer camp is for those that that didn't know so uh speaking of what people may not know. So maybe our listeners, you know, a lot of these folks are just getting into the industry or trying to get started. So why don't you share a little bit about yourself, your, your origin story and how you got started? Yeah, man, I'd be happy to. Um, so I've always been into tech. I've always been into technology um, from as far back as I can remember. So it sort of was just a natural evolution into a, a career um, and, you know, I think in the late 90s was when I really got into it working for a, a regional cable company um, that actually was acquired by, by Comcast uh, several years later after I got in. But it was a small cable company and I started out 
uh, troubleshooting cable issues. So, you know, you got static on your TV. You were the one calling me, yelling at me, and I would have to troubleshoot that. So it was always like, you know, technology and, and supporting technology. Um, and then while I was there, you know, it kind of evolved into the digital cable side. You know, high definition, you know, started to come into play. High speed Internet came into play. So it was a really interesting time to be in tech um, and be sort of on the front line of that. Um, and I spent about five or six years working for this cable company and, and I just got tired of people, you know, yelling at me cause their, their pay-per-view cut out. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I need to, I need to, um, pivot here. And I was really starting to get into the, um, computer side, um, of, you know, after gaining exposure to the high speed internet service, you know, that was really cutting edge at the time. I wanted to dive into more of the IT space full force. So, um, I was fortunate enough that time to, uh, land a, uh, a global help desk position for JP Morgan chase, which is, is, is headquartered. Um, one of their headquarters is here in Delaware. Um, so once I got in to, to work at the help desk that just sort of opened the floodgates for me at that point. Um, I was supporting a lot of different technology, a lot of different software, um, in a global presence. And, and I mean, I was around some of the, you know, smartest people um, that I've ever met at that time and was able, just able to feed off of their knowledge. Um, and I think that really hooked me into the IT space. And, and, you know, I started down the rabbit hole at that point, you know, eventually that it evolved more and more. I got into software support. I got into desktop support. Um, and at this point I finally, you know, had a friend, and in security, you know, security was kind of up and coming at, at this point in time. Um, and he was a pen tester. And I was like, man, what, is, what does a, a pen tester do? And, you know, he was telling me and he just really drive my, my uh, interest. And I saw it as magic. I saw it as magic. Like, how, how is this done? I don't know how you're doing this, but I want to find out how you're doing this. And, um, you know, some of the things that he was doing and, and showing me um, at the time was just mind blowing to me. And I'm like, how, how do you do this? So I think that was really just the, um, you know, my way into cyber is, is just being fascinated by this, this enigma of, of hacking and um, security. So I got into it. Um, he brought me over to a company he ultimately left to go work for. Um, brought me in just because he knew my passion was there. Um, uh, you know, side story, I got thrown into taking the CEH a month after getting into security, which I don't know if I would advise to anyone else. Um, but yeah, once that happened, you know, I never looked back. Yeah, it's a, it's a great intro, intro into, the, into the industry, starting out with, with cable and then getting into to IT. And that's one of the things, too, that, uh, you know, sometimes you know, they're, they're great entries. So people are trying to get into cybersecurity, you know, getting your foot in the door is the most important piece and anything you can learn along the way is going to help you out. Just like Chris, you know, if you were going to be a pen tester, you know, just think what you would have had to learn to be a pen tester if you didn't have that IT experience and working with the cable company and all that. Yeah, it was just a natural, natural progression for me. And I think it was a, a who I was aligned with at the time too, I think that that really played into it in terms of um, 
who was who was willing to to explain that to me and and to give me a good understanding of what that was um and in a way that it it was just again just fascinated me and just drew me in so for those getting started what do you what are your views on certifications do you think certifications are required to get into security um I think it helps for sure get into cybersecurity, especially help you land a job. But I wouldn't let that be the I wouldn't let that drive you. You know, I would let I would let the passion drive you and, and not to get intimidated by certifications or don't let that get in your way. Don't let the cost factor get in your way or other obstacles really deter that that passion. Um, because there's other ways I think that you can consume content and learn but if you're looking at a formalized way of getting into security i think that search can be a great thing um security plus for instance is a great certification uh, at a foundational level you know if you're looking to get into security i always say security plus um that's always my go-to cert when recommending certs um and then there's also a lot of free resources out there um, when you look at different areas of cyber, once you know what area of cyber you want to get into, you can definitely leverage some free resources or go down, you know, the certification route there as well and get more, um, prescriptive on your credentials. But, you know, I, um, coming up, I didn't take the academia route and, and this is just me. I didn't, um, have formalized training. Um, I didn't go to college. But as I mentioned, my passion su- sort of superseded all of that. Um, and that kickstarted my cyber career with the passion and the drive. I think that you'll create those opportunities. Um, again, there weren't many cybersecurity certs at that time. Um, but you uncover areas that aren't typically taught uh, with certs or through formalized training. And um, I think the same could be said for those that, that, have taken formalized training or do certifications. Um, and we talk about hacking all the time when hacking, you figure out how to accomplish or achieve, you know, functionality or things that aren't expected working a certain way or how you perceive things to work a certain way. Um, and in this case, you know, you sort of hack the status quo, you hack the expectation, you hack the curriculum in a sense. Um, and you take that knowledge and, and don't be afraid to use it test it, challenge it, you know, learn by trying new things. So, um, yes, I think certs are great, but I also think, you know, taking other avenues as well is also as as important. So what would be your recommended path? So someone's wanting to get into cybersecurity based on your experience and for someone to kind of, you know, ramp up, you know, a little more quickly than someone like ourselves did. Yeah. Uh, what would be your recommended path for someone that's wanting to get started in cybersecurity? So don't underestimate the power of networking with other cybersecurity peers. This is an awesome community that everyone is extremely helpful in um, guiding others to success. And, and there's different ways that you can do that. You can do that through going to local conferences. You can do that by, um, socializing on LinkedIn, you can do that by um, talking to others in your in your space, in your business, or in your school that are into it, um, and and help just create 
a bond. And I think that that is super important in terms of getting into cyber and just understanding what lies ahead of you. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say don't, don't underestimate the power of, of networking with your peers and being able to um, get a mentor as well. You know, there's many people out there looking to, to help you gain a mentor and, you know, talk to your mentorship and make it a, a bi-directional mentorship because they're looking to learn from you as well. It's, it's, don't think of it as a one-way conversation. Um, make sure that you talk to them, you give them Intel, they'll help give you Intel. And that I think will help you, you know, carve your own path in, in cybersecurity and, and direct you the way that you want to go. It's good advice. The the networking and mentorship stuff, you really just can't leverage that enough. I mean, I really wished that I would have got in on the networking stuff a lot sooner than what I did. It's just amazing. People will be amazed that people like yourself, you know, you've been in the industry as long as you have, you, you're, you know, you participate in conferences, you do a podcast so people know who you are. So, you know, it's a lot easier for you to get a job now than it was before that. Correct. It is. And, and I think that the, um, the frequency of learning is accelerated as well because you're talking to different people who have, they're all through different walks of life. They they've come up and had different experiences, um, you know, within their career and outside of their career. So I think you get that exposure to different people and what works and what doesn't work within different roles and different industries. So I think just being able to aggregate all of that information um, helps you and helps you apply it in different scenarios that you have may, you know, talk to somebody else about. You can apply what they've learned to your own situation. So um, yeah, definitely network, definitely get yourself, um, in a group with security folks and don't be afraid to, to speak, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Um, you know, start your own, own network. If you want, you know, you know, people will come to you just, you know, try to immerse yourself within the industry. And, um, again, I think once you do that, you know, that's it. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I definitely want to cover on here since, uh, you're a podcaster and, and there's so many folks that have gotten started in the industry from content creation. They didn't have jobs in security and they got interested in it, started doing YouTube videos, uh, started writing blog posts or podcasts. And all of a sudden it just gave them more visibility and helped their career. Some, some cases help people get a career. So kind of what are your views on content creation and podcasting? Yeah. So in terms of podcasting, I, I wanted to start a podcast, um, for, I don't know, maybe the last five to six years or so. And I kept putting it off. Um, for me, it was when, when COVID hit in, I think March, 2020, everything started shutting down. Um, it was a very unfortunate time, but it allowed me to, to sort of take that idea and run with it. It gave me the opportunity to, to leverage other experts that also were in lockdown to join me and just talk cyber when before they weren't as accessible. Um, so I think timing had a lot to do with the actual execution of my podcast. Um, and I think it was, you know, in terms of content creation, um, 
I've always tried to share Intel online, but that was really my, my outlet was, was LinkedIn or, or um, Twitter. And then they just, just gave me a, I think a voice to go, to go with that. And um, once I got it going, it was just trying to not be like other podcasters. <laughs> that was, that was my thing is that I didn't want to run a show that someone could turn off, turn on another show and essentially listen to the same content. So um, for me, I'm really trying to think outside of the box. I'm trying to um, just not be afraid to push the envelope in terms of sharing my thoughts or letting other people share their thoughts. Um, I don't want to be, you know, um, governed or have, or have others governed in terms of sharing their thoughts. Cause I think that's the way that we excel as an industry and as people is through ideas and not, and, and just not being, um, worry about sharing them collaboration with others and taking uh, ideas and, and just sharing them. Um, but yeah, I think that you can't underestimate the power of being different. Not everyone is going to like what content you're pushing. If you're looking at becoming a content creator, um, but they'll also recognize that that's a differentiator between you and, and everybody else. So if, if someone recognizes that you're a differentiator with the content that you're pushing, that's a win in my book. That's, that's impacting somebody else and it gets somebody thinking. So whether they agree or they don't agree, whether they like it, they don't like it. Um, you know, I'm going to be on your side and I'm going to be pushing for, for other people to do that. Other people will enjoy it as well. And that's the energy that you have to harness when you're pushing out content. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of my take on it. My perspective, um, you know, my, my cyber, I think my cyber kill switch in my mind doesn't turn off. And I think that's what helps generate some of the content that I bring. You know, I'm walk, constantly walking around thinking of how to relate to, total non-cyber scenarios to cyber, like walking my dog. I'm constantly like <laughs> thinking, how do I draw the line between walking my dog and cyber? What are the similarities? Then how do I apply that to dog walkers? Um, you know, that's just an example, but that thought process is, is, um, it's just hard coded in my mind. And that helps me with, you know, the design aspect and, and thinking of new ways of reaching or hopefully reaching, you know, a new audience. Yeah, it's really interesting. You mentioned lockdown, how the whole pandemic really seemed to spark and bring a lot of new people into podcast and content creation. You know, I'm pretty certain I'm kind of sure I will. You know, I would just think if it wasn't for the pandemic, there'd probably be less people doing podcasts and content creation because then all of a sudden people were stuck at home and they had all this extra time to do things and needed something to occupy their minds. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's a, it was an unfortunate situation, but you know, I was, um, I was like, this is the time to do it. Let's, um, let's get it going. I already had a list of people that I wanted to talk to. I said, this is my first, you know, 10 interviews that I want to do. Um, I can't say I hit all of them, but um, episode two, you know, I hit up, I hit up Troy hunt and he came back and said, yes, I'll do it. And we did it like the next day. <laughs> so I think ever since then I was like, okay, there's, there's, um, you know, I can get really, I can get some industry icons on here and it's, and it's a, it's a time where, um, everybody is dealing with this 
you know, pandemic and this tragedy at once, and we're all dealing with it differently and we all have to adjust differently. So how are, how are these, these industry icons dealing with it versus how are, you know, my coworkers dealing with it? And I interviewed both. Um, and just to get that perspective, and I think it just, you know, it started then. And, you know, a lot of my conversation was around that, you know, how are you, how has the pandemic affected you? Um, and I think it was interesting to hear everyone's take on that. So how, how do you think, uh, like, you know, you, you know, you're doing regular podcasts, uh, on a regular cadence. So what, what do you think about like availability of podcast guests? Do people seem to be a little harder to book nowadays because, Things are opening up. People are getting busy outside of their home. So, does that has that affected uh, availability? No, not really. I mean, it's it, it has a little bit, but it's sort of taken that hybrid approach, just like your work from home approach. Um, I think that I think podcasting really elevated itself during the pandemic, and it just became something that people did. Um, more. I mean, podcasting existed prior to, and a lot, you know, maybe a lot more of the audio side of podcasting where you were, you know, in a car or on a train listening to podcasts. Um, but now you see, I think with the pandemic, you see the evolution of not only just audio, more audio, but you're also seeing like video podcasting as well. Um, and, and I'm personally seeing a lot more video podcasts now than I did before. Um, so I think it's here to stay. I think it's still growing. Um, I think people are willing to, to, um, still go on podcasts. I mean, it's a, it's a great way to get your message out. Um, and then I'm also seeing, you know, as things become more normalized or not normalized, but back, you know, in person, um, I'm starting to see a lot more live shows as well, live podcasts. So again, it's sort of a hybrid where it's now just evolving and, and now we're seeing the crossover into more of the live space. Um, which I'm trying to get more into as well. So, um, you know, I think it's here to stay and I'm, and I'm just, you know, I'm excited to see the way that, you know, podcasting evolves. Yeah. And it, and it seems like once you're back to people going out in person, people commuting, you know, the, the need for, for podcasts is more important. Cause you know, if you're driving somewhere, you can't, can't watch YouTube videos, you know, you need something that's audio only that you can consume. Yeah, I mean, everybody likes consuming content differently, and I think that's the that's the beauty of it. Yeah, and the nice thing too is, you know, one of the things I love about podcasts, and and that's one of the ways I've learned probably the most. A lot of the health related and fitness related stuff I used to listen to was on my commute to work. I had a thirty minute commute one way each day, and I would listen to these different podcasts if I go out for a walk just to kind of you know, give me something to do while I'm walking, listen to a podcast. And, you know, like I said, when you're doing some of those activities, it's kind of hard to, to watch video. You're either going to trip over something or have a wreck if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So what was kind of, what was your influences or where did you come up with the the title for your podcast? Oh man. So as I was telling you before, I've, I've had the idea of doing a podcast for a while. My original idea was to call it, um, bourbon and breaches. So I just sit here and review bourbon and we talk breaches because breaches were just nonstop. Um, but this was at a time where, you know, I wasn't home. Um, it was hard to get, you know, content together and it just never happened. 
And then when I started to think of barcode, you know, it took me a long time to, to think of the name. I'm not going to lie. It took me a long time to think of the name. And I was just like, uh, I wanted it something to be um, catchy. I wanted it to be catchy. And um, I'm like, all right, well, we're at a bar. I can use bar, barcode. All right, where does code come in? Because this is not a programming podcast. And, um, you know, it's more along the lines of experts open sourcing their code of knowledge. And I was like, all right, I can use barcode. And that makes sense. So I ran with it and, um, yeah, it was the first, first name I came up with and yeah, people seem to like it. And, you know, if I ever opened a cybersecurity themed bar, I would name it barcode. That's one question that I asked at the end of my, my, uh, my own interviews and everybody has an awesome answer. Um, but yeah, I think that would be mine. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's really an awesome idea to mash up the bar drinking theme with, with technology. It's a really good idea. <laughs> So do, I you remember, Sorry, so, do you, so do you remember what I came up with at the end of your episode, the idea that I came up with? Because I kind of expanded it into a theme for a bar. <laughs> I can't remember right now. I can't remember. Yeah, it was, I'd have it to was, look it up. It was something like HPT bar because then you could drink, name the drinks after different APTs. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's so many, and, and people love to run with that, and it's such a great idea. It's such a great idea, man. And then like yours, like I can see that being a bar. Like yeah. I would hang out there. <laughs> and, and you know, when I first, you know, that's another aspect that I want to bring up is when I first started, I was really concerned with the perception of, you know, how people would take this. And I think, you know, that may have been a concern up front. You know, I didn't want this to think that we're just, you know, drinking, talking cybersecurity. I mean, I, it, it really was about the content. And it really was about just the the bar atmosphere and the and the psychology that goes into just the relaxing environment, and, and that's really what I'm trying to to bring across. I've had folks on the show that that don't drink at all, that are allergic to alcohol, and um, you know, we 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 switch it up to a coffee bar. You know, it's 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 more about the the uh, the atmosphere than anything else. Yeah, it's it's a good concept because when you know people think of a bar, you think of relaxed. It's not like you're in the conference room at work, all stiff and have to be serious. You can relax and talk about things and enjoy your enjoy the moment. And one of the you know one of the drivers in starting this um, was exactly that. Like I've I've missed during that pandemic time going to you know hacker summer camp and and having a drink and talking security with people. Um, and you know, a lot of the great ideas, a lot of the innovative ideas, I think come out of those talks after the talk out of, out of that conference room. And that's really, if, if I could bottle it, no pun intended, that's how I would phrase it is it's really that, that talk after the talk and just being able to, to be yourself. Yeah, that, that's a great point. You know, I've, picked up so much, had so many good conversations after, you know, speaking at conferences and stuff. So one of the things that's really interesting too, it just seems like the thing I like about content creation, I think it's a good, kind of a good trait for us technical folks to pick up is to be more creative because when you're, you know, there's different roles that require creativity as a pen tester, you need to be creative, but just to 
get like a different type of creativity just seems to help us as as people, I believe. It is. It is. And a lot of times those talks um, within a conference room, it's a one way talk and, and you can't have that two way conversation. Um, and I think that two way conversation sparks the creativity, like you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. It's just really, really interesting. And it seems like once you've done those things for a while, you're you're able to think of new concepts quicker than I know before I started doing any kind of content creation or much writing, it was harder to come up with stuff. And now it's just, it's a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think you get exposed to a lot uh, of things that you typically wouldn't. Um, and I think in, in those bigger um, type formats too, there's a, there's a lot of, um, I guess there's a lot of questions that you have. And, and another thing that I do is try to think, along the lines of what those questions would be. So I'm an architect and engineer at heart. Like that's, I'm technical based as I, as I mentioned and coming through, like being able to ask some of these questions in areas that I don't have expertise in um, and not drilling in too deep because there are podcasts out there that will drill deep into cloud or will drill deep into pen testing. Um, and, and I'm trying to get more of an idea of, what you do, what is your story? Um, how can aspiring professionals get into that field? You know, what are some pitfalls that you've experienced? Um, so a lot of those things, you know, those conversations do happen in the, in, you know, in the bar room and, and don't get exposed really, uh, on a formal platform. Yeah. One of the things you got to think about too, is how many of these ideas and stuff have been written up on cocktail napkins. <laughs> very true yeah very true I, I would like to know that that's that for yeah sure. that would be interesting to know so just kind of digging in a little more about for those people wanting to to start a podcast so what do you how do you kind of recommend someone get started um yeah i mean i've learned a lot since i started um there are a lot of things that you know i could I could say to help someone that that is getting started for one, you know, I would come up with your, your concept and, and this could be within cyber or not in cyber, but, you know, have a clear idea of the concept that you want to do. Um, you know, write it down, write it down. And it doesn't necessarily have to be unique in a sense, but make it something that you are passionate about. Um, don't, start a podcast to start a podcast, you know, have something that you know is going to be sustainable that you can talk about that you're passionate about and that you're excited about. Um, and I think once you have the idea, then it's just, you know, um, carving out the time to do it. You know, I've learned that podcasting is grueling when it comes down to <laughs> timing and, and being able to um, manage the, the overhead that it, that it takes to get a podcast going and, and sustain it. Um, so understand that. Um, and then beyond that, it's, you know, just making sure you have the proper, you know, technology in place. You know, I, I put a lot of thought into the production of my podcast and I think that um, people appreciate that. And, and you do too, Philip. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal the way your podcast sounds and the, and the quality. And I think that is, is a huge differentiator um, to making you stand out. And, you know, lastly, I would say, don't, don't worry about 
listeners, don't worry about numbers. Because if you worry about numbers and you think about numbers, that's going to throw you off because it's never going to be as high as you want it to be or expect it to be. Um, so for a long time, I didn't look at numbers. I just put out content that I enjoyed. I put out content with guests that I wanted to talk to. Um, and I had fun doing it. And then everything else I think falls in line. So I think that's probably the the most important, uh, advice that I could give is just, you know, do what you love to do. Don't worry about the numbers. Um, and try and stay consistent, stay consistent. I think I've read a stat once, um, that I think some crazy high percentage, maybe like 70% of people that start podcast um, quit after like episode four or five, um, just because it's, it's not bringing in that expectation that they thought. So, you know, again, try to try to be blind to that. Do what you love to do and do, do it on a cadence and frequency that works for you. Yeah, those are some good tips because if you do it too frequently, it becomes a chore. You're not going to like it. And if it's something you enjoy doing, something you uh, you're passionate about, it's you know, it's creating your work of art that you want to share with people. You know, it seems like you do a good job. Then you'll get the listeners will follow. You'll find someone out there because everyone there's an audience for just about everything. There is. There is definitely <laughs> an audience for everything. Um, and I think the more you do it, the more those creative juices are going to flow too. Cause then you're going to start thinking about, Hey, how could I do this better? Um, what can I switch up here that, that I want to do differently? Um, and just stay, yeah, stay true to yourself and, and, uh, you'll be successful. Awesome. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there any tips or anything you'd like to share before we end the episode? Um, no, I mean, just again, I think in terms of what I advise people to do is just, um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to be an innovator. You know, I think that our industry, um, a lot of people are siloed in the way that, that, that they think. And I think that folks like yourself, Philip, and other folks that are doing content creation, doing podcasts, writing a blog, starting a YouTube channel, um, creating a network on LinkedIn, you know, don't be afraid to, to do that, you know, be bold and, and, um, just try new things that are outside of the box that, that, that have never been done before. If you fall, you fall, but I'm a big proponent of, you know, falling versus, you know, not, not standing there at all. So, definitely that would be be my advice and um you know reach out to myself other content creators um and we'll definitely you know help you along the way well thanks for for joining me and being a guest i appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule uh, thank you philip i appreciate you and um i will see you soon yeah see you next week and thanks everyone for joining if you're at summer camp look us up see you next episode BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast with Philip Wiley. 
If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.